0: All right. Thank you so much, Aaron, for leading us in a time of prayer. Well, uh, good morning, City Hope. Good morning, City Hope. Good morning. It's good to see y'all. It's good to see some of y'all again. I saw some familiar faces yesterday helping uh, Hunter and Ashley move into that new space. And it's good to see some of y'all again. Well, my name's Chris Mack. For those of you who don't know me, who may not be familiar, I'm the uh, Director of Mercy here at City Hope Fellowship. Uh, I'm also here as the deacon. Um, If you're ever confused about what a Director of Mercy is, it's pretty much diaconal work. Or, as my wife likes to say, a glorified social worker. (laughs) So, it makes things a lot simple, because I have a hard time explaining what I do sometimes. And I'm like, I need to write that down, not just for other people, but for my sake, too. And so I get it mixed up every single time. But if you're interested or, you know, curious about what I'm talking about today, I'm going to be talking to you all about money. Okay. now this isn't one of them like, yo, he's going to tell me how to get rich real quick. It's not one of those conversations. And I promise is also not one of those conversations where you're like, mm, I hate when the church talks about money. It can be a very concerning thing. Uh, but instead, to talk about the heart's treasure chest. And the question that I want to pose to you guys today is, where is your heart? And usually when you see this conversation and dialogue about the heart's treasure chest, you start to think of uh, riches or wealth within the world or heavenly riches and wealth and often that's seen as this linear hey he's talking about money dollar dollar bills y'all but it's so much broader than that you know what I mean when we say wealth it's it, there's a general concept when it comes to that an example is Mia and Kat we've been on like Zillow nonstop. if you got the Zillow app it can be trouble sometimes Or if you get on Zillow, you don't even need the app to get on Zillow. You can look at Zillow from your laptop. Now, if you didn't know that, I might put you in trouble here. But this whole idea of like, so we we got a great apartment that we're in right now, but we also love the idea of thinking about living in a home in our future. You know, now now I'm not saying we getting ready. Some of y'all are like, are y'all moving out of Muncie? I mean, the the idea is that we're looking at homes in Muncie. So promise we're not not going far. (laughs) We're not leaving too far, okay? We'll we'll be close by. But this idea of building wealth through homes and being able to renovate, work on a project, and then when we leave that house, hopefully that home will be more valuable than it was before. You know what I'm saying? We're not trying to lose money going in a home. We're trying to gain some money going into a home. Um, But... So it's it's very much broader than that. For college students, it might be the fact that you're getting the, the college education. That's, that's money stamped right there. When you think of your education and you want to get a return on that investment someday, you know what I mean? When you thought about attending a university, you probably thought, okay, how much does this one cost? How much does this one cost? If you're out of state, then you're really thinking about how much stuff costs. You know what I'm saying? And so... This whole idea of, of money and building wealth is a broad concept, okay? It's a resource, it's a currency that we see fulfilling not just our needs, but our wants, our desires, our, our passions, right? It might be a goal for you to own a home someday. It might be a goal for you to save up for a car. It might be a goal for you to graduate and to pay off student debt. And when you look in the Bible, it's clear that Jesus himself doesn't shy away from the topic. Some of y'all might have heard this, but out of the 38 to 39 parables that Jesus talks about, 11 of those have something to do with money. And you've heard Josh say several times that Jesus talks about money more than he does heaven and hell. Now, this isn't to, I dare not stamp this and say that, well, if he talks about money more than heaven and hell, then that must mean this is way more important than those things, which is, is not the case that does the Bible a disservice to say such a thing. But if he talks about this at such a significant amount, it must mean something. It might be something that we need to pay attention to. But we, want, we don't want to treat it as a blanket statement because that would be a poor assessment. But as often as it's mentioned, it has to be worth asking, why does Jesus talk about wealth so much And as people who have to rely on money, I hope that this conversation can be one that gives us a perspective, a healthy perspective on that. And so we have a fair share of thinking about it more than we'd like. Again, I mentioned being in college and having to think about money. Um, If you if you are a parent, you're thinking about feeding your child and keeping them alive. Hopefully more than that. Having children isn't just about those things, but that's probably number one as soon as you have a kid. That's not talking from personal experience, but it's what I heard growing up. (laughs) I'm trying to keep you alive, son. (laughs) Thank you, dad. I appreciate that. (laughs) And so there can be confusion in how we even balance the money that we have, and and the one thing that I want to do, the text that we're going to dive in today, y'all like, what what text are we going through? We're going to use Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, to work through Jesus telling us about the way we ought to view our wealth, and the hope isn't to teach y'all anything new, you know what I'm saying? I'm not no financial guru, you know, I'm not here to be like Dave Ramsey to tell you you're an idiot if you use a credit card, you got one. It's fine. <laughs> That's OK. But it's into instead prompt a consistent dialogue. OK, so let's go ahead and dive into that chapter. If you want to throw that on the screen, it says here, do not store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them. And where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I realize I had this printed out ESV. I'm not trying to confuse anybody. That's NLT and this is NSV. So I'll be looking up here. But before we go in, let me pray for us, y'all. God, thank you so much for your word, your truth. And what you have to say about this topic. And God, I'm humbled to be up here to be able to speak. Um, but as I speak, I understand that I'm limited in my understanding of all things. And so if I can be a mouthpiece, God, I pray that you would further work into the hearts of every man and woman out here uh, to teach them more about these these topics of of money and wealth. Um, And I know that there are people way wiser than me who have handled money better than than I ever could but Lord I pray that our hearts would be set on you and to think about uh, what does it mean for us to have our eyes set on you exactly that thing it's in your name that we pray God amen you cannot serve God and money so the context of this story right context let me hear y'all say context just like that context context The context of this story is that we see Jesus starting his ministry in a few chapters before he starts selecting disciples and he starts to travel all throughout Galilee, teaching in synagogues while also healing diseases and affliction that people are facing. Seeing that the crowds followed him all over, no matter where he went, there comes a point where he decided to go upon a mountain and to sit and others sit with him. The people came to him and gave his, and he gave his famous beatitude sermon, the one that uh, a good chunk of people are familiar with. And then, after that, he starts to give um, sermons about what, what some of us will probably see as like do's and don'ts: do this, don't do that, right? Which isn't a healthy perspective to have, but it seems that way. And one of those things is that. We should not lay our treasures or have our treasures here on earth, but we should lay them in heaven and for the kingdom to come. Now, if we define the word treasure, the Greek interpretation is labeled Thesauros, which means a storehouse for precious things. To us, it would be considered something or some things that are of great value. And when I say great value to us, I want us to actually think as individuals here, what is valuable to you, to you, to you? Also, I'm a comm major, y'all. So if y'all see me like saying you, I I promise I'm not really singling you out. It's just one of those things I've been taught to do. (laughs) So if I point at you like it's all good, bro. You're cool. I'm pointing at them, too. All right. (laughs) By the time this is all over, I'll make sure I will have pointed at everybody. already starting on this area over here. Thesaros, a storehouse for precious things, okay? So we begin, when we have these precious things, we start to set up this system to protect those things that we care about, that we see as valuable. And we set up these barriers. And in a general sense, we see Jesus warning us specifically about becoming mastered by money. But I'd even consider putting assets into this category. So y'all already heard house and car, education at this point. And so the thing to think about, what is worth, which has, what has worth to you in your own life? And so be thinking about that. We live in a world where the scale of valuable items are also relative from person to person. To one person, it might be one thing, to another, it might be another thing. Y'all have already heard me say that, okay? Um, but it might be True. Who likes playing the Xbox? We, we, I, I talked to somebody about Xbox the other day. I, I was talking to Vincent about Xbox and Hunter about Xbox and PS5. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we game here and there. I don't play Fortnite. I, I told Hunter, I, I'm trying to get into it, but I'm intimidated by the controls, right? And so clearly game systems are important to me. I have a legacy of gaming growing up as a child. But to somebody else, it might be something that I might consider more or less expensive. But to them, it's still valuable. Or it might be something of sentimental value to us. If not, maybe it's building up your savings account. You know, the list goes on and on. And what I'm simply trying to say is that everyone can deem value of their wealth. So this doesn't just apply to the rich. This this isn't an scapegoat for anyone to say, well, I'm not, I ain't making that much money. You know what I'm saying? You still have something of value. And if you have assets, then you're going to fit in this category, one way or another. Now, in my mind, it makes sense to go lengths to protect our valuables from danger. And often that danger does come from outside sources. We can store up the things that we consider valuable, and yet something outside of us can come right up and snatch it from you. That might be what we've seen on the slides, right? The the rusts and the moths, because rusts and moths are very dangerous, apparently. But figuratively speaking, nature itself, you know, you have catastrophe going on in different lands in different spaces, right? Hurricane season. It might be a, a tornado. It might be an earthquake that takes your things right from you. And these things can't be easily replaced, right? Nature and elements in the world that ruin valuables affect us. We also might be thinking of people that affect us and take away our needs right before our eyes because there's a legitimate danger of people that desire the things that you have and will go great lengths just to get it because they feel like, a, a, I want that, or B, they feel like they deserve it more than you they feel like they need it more than you. Right? I'm already, I I already see you nodding your head back there, Kat. We probably are already thinking of an example. Some of y'all heard of the story of our uh our car window having a brick thrown right through it. Right? Here's this wonderful car that she's worked hard to, to earn and to save up money for. And, you know, her her um she's made the payments for it, and you know, shout shout out to Papa, Papa Kevin Smith in the back, you know what I'm saying? He helped with them payments, too. I got to give credit where it's due. Sorry, baby. Got to give credit where it's due. <laughs> He's folding his arms slowly. He's like, um, excuse me. <laughs> Who made them payments again? <laughs> but, you know, here's like this thing that we value. And unfortunately, somebody threw a brick right through that car window. We got insurance on this bad boy. You know what I'm saying? So that way we can, we can so, sometimes it don't work out. <laughs> even with insurance, sometimes you got to pay out of pocket. And you're like, why am I even paying for insurance at this point, right? I'm paying, paying money for insurance and I'm paying out of pocket. right Got to make sure that deductible's on point. <laughs> and so that's an example of like, yo, here's this thing that we value. You probably more than me, right? I got my car, but... Hey, shout out to Paul and Megan Brown. They hooked me up with my Toyota Corolla. Still in good shape. I value that thing. And if something happened to it, I would be a little hurt. (laughs) And what I hate reading about this text is that Jesus guarantees that our treasures will absolutely be destroyed. He's just real. It's going to happen. He doesn't tell us when it will happen. He just lets us know that one day it will lose its value. On the flip side, the thing that I do appreciate about Jesus is that he gives us a reason for why not to lay our treasures here on earth. Because, again, they will absolutely be destroyed. You see, it's, it's a double edged sword here. We're seeing God say, don't lay your treasures here. They, they will be destroyed. Thank you. But when he says the same thing, I'm like, "Hmm." so that means I need to store that somewhere else. The reality is that I have to have money, assets and resources and all the things that will one day be destroyed. Right. So I'm not saying like just quit your job. Don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Keep working. Keep keep stay on the grind. But at the same time, it's great because Jesus is willing to give me this heads up because he cares about me. And he wouldn't say it if he didn't care about me. But he's not giving me a heads up so I can build more security for my values. But in fact, he's telling me that I should go ahead and abandon this ship. Because my child, I know of a place where you'll experience greater treasures. This isn't Jesus just saying, hey, look, that Xbox that we were talking about, bring that to me. I'll keep it safe. You get to heaven, we'll play together. Right? Not saying them, them Jays or them Nikes or them chacos, or what else am I missing here? Who, What y'all got on y'all feet? I'm trying to make sure I get every single one of y'all, whatever you got on your feet. He's not saying, bring that to me. I will keep that safe for you. <laughs> but what he's saying is that there is something greater. He calls us to counteract the temptation of building riches on earth by instead building up treasures in heaven. And this encouragement must also be a claim that our most Precious gift is in some unforeseen world, which sounds crazy because you don't see it. But just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not wealth. What is this treasure that Jesus is speaking of? Well, let's read Philippians chapter seven, verses seven through 11 together. And it's there where it says you can. It should be on the next slide. If not, David, then I can just read it from here. There we go. This is coming from the Apostle Paul. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. In Jesus, there's knowledge of true wealth. The value of being counted as righteous through faith in Jesus alone. And being counted as righteous means that we are given this inheritance. Let me hear y'all say inheritance. Inheritance. A part of inheritance is being in a land where even though The thought of making money for provisional needs becomes second nature, a prosperous land flowing with everything you can need. In other words, milk and honey. But that ultimate satisfaction isn't just the space or the items given by the Lord in this heavenly place, but it is in God himself that we get the greatest gift. It is experiencing everlasting life with a God that knows and has created you. We will find no complete satisfaction in striving for the perishable things of the world. But God does tell us to strive for heavenly riches, not because we earn it, but because we have an inheritance that we get to enjoy when we're with the Father. So you, you can have some things here that you might experience a little satisfaction by, right? We, we, we were praying for the holiday season. You know, that's a perfect example. Once Thanksgiving comes up, See, some of y'all are already thinking about what you finna eat. Some of y'all are already thinking about what you finna cook in the kitchen. I am. I, I already got a checklist in my head. My mama-in-law's back there. Y'all, y'all know she the baking queen. you ain't never had a Sharon cookie before, but here's the thing. I'm sorry, Mama Sharon. Your, your cookies were never fully satisfy, because the moment that I have one, or the moment where you have that thing that you enjoy so much, you get full, you're happy. What happens tomorrow, though? right? You done not invited all your family members. Some going to end up missing. Some's going to be gone. I might be traumatizing some of y'all right now about that last holiday experience. Man, I, I didn't get a chance to have that sweet potato pie uh, because my nephew wanted to eat it all, you know? And then we find ourselves unsatisfied. You know, that's humorous in some ways, but if you really think about it, that's, that's how our, our, the things that we care about here are. You get a momentary experience with this wonderful thing, and then before you know it, it's gone. It's going to leave you one more. But that's the beauty of heaven. That's the beauty of an eternity with the Father is that it will always be there. It will always be there. Let me hear y'all say, it will always be there. (laughs) Yeah, you got to do as well. There you go. Slap your leg. slap your cat. Got it. (laughs) We forget that Jesus doesn't even give himself a prosperous life and often what we think is that the world we live here needs to be one of prosperity yeah jesus doesn't do that for himself right What's prosperity? oh prosperity prosperity would be a way of thriving materialistically speaking also, I just Googled this, so, they, so some others may be thinking, like, what, what, what do you, you know? Actually, I think prosperity is more of this. Yeah, no, you're good. Thank you for asking. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, hey, also, if anybody else has questions, please raise your hand. I'm serious about that. Thank you. Appreciate that. What's your name? Amanda. Amanda? Thank you, Amanda. I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it is thriving. It might be financially. It might, might be materialistically. It, Whatever is helping you thrive here on earth in terms of having your, your needs met financially, resourcefully, prospering, it would it be those things. Yeah. Is, that, is that helpful, y'all? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and what I'm saying, what, I, what I'm challenging us to think about is when, when Jesus himself, right, we're talking about Jesus being fully God and fully man enter into this world, he decides that Hey, I'm gonna make myself a lesser than. Okay, imagine a king deciding to live amongst his people without his wealth, without the things that make him prosperous. I mean, he literally traveled. He shared the gospel, and he would live with people who would be willing to take him in. Right? literally, someone knocking on your door saying, "I need somewhere to stay." That's the life that Jesus lived. He traveled a lot. And it's this 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 king, we're talking the son of God here, who decides, I'm doing this, all right, for my people. He makes himself lesser than. He does not see himself as equal to the Father. But he lives the life perfectly. It, it's not prosperous, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he was persecuted on the cross. One of the most gruesome deaths ever. So clearly he's not living a prosperous life. However, the argument there is he had his eyes set on something much greater and that is the heavenly riches. So there's this everlasting wealth that Jesus is is telling us to think about. And I'm like, dang, that's coming from a man that, I look at my life and I live my life more prosperous than Jesus does, like materialistically speaking, you know what I'm saying? Spiritually, he's on another level, you feel me? <laughs> but Jesus decides that he will live, he will die in unprosperous. I don't know if unprosperous is a word, right? But you know what I mean. He decides to do that so that and, and come back for me so that I can experience this prosperous life with him. Where, where my needs are met, not just physically, but also I can be with my creator. You know what I'm saying? And so it's a beautiful thing. And so I mentioned earlier, I think this is also important for me to say too, but I mentioned earlier that no matter the level of wealth and financial status you're dealing with, we all have some kind of wealth um, because we have things that's valuable to us. But I dare not treat this conversation as if it's everyone's on the same playing field. You know what I'm saying? We have to acknowledge that. Jesus is very empathetic to those who are struggling financially. And we have to understand that the gospel we believe in has tremendous social implications. And one of those implications is the weight of poverty, the unjust treatment that men and women receive based on what little wealth they have. And Jesus is not ignorant of the struggles that they have in this world, because literally he knows the struggle is harder on those who really going through it and I often think I have more needs than I have more wants but often I'm lying to myself when I say that and there are others who have more needs but far more legitimate than mine and Jesus is a great example of demonstrating love in light of these realities but as he went out to care for the poor and powerless and call others to do the same he also told them look towards the kingdom to come he gave them hope He understood that even if I walk away from you now, that doesn't guarantee that things are going to be fine here. But let me give you something that that's a guarantee. You put your faith in me. And you will live that prosperous life to come. And he demonstrates this. So much better than I could. It's easy for me to get frustrated with people when they don't give the program. I I like budgeting, you know what I'm saying? And and I feel like once you have a budget in place, you should be able to solve your issues. It's not always the case. There's just so much nuance mixed in there. Then I start getting impatient with people, you know what I mean? That's that's also the life of a glorified social worker. (laughs) Take out the glorified there, right, whenever my sin comes into the picture. I'm a church social worker. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so there's so many like different financial implications right that that might be currently right the weight of covid and trying to carry a, a job right uh, another good pending conversation is like a clear wealth gap that exists between black americans and and white people you know what i'm saying it's a legitimate wealth gap there and it's worth exploring so that way we can say how do we how do we bring this in a little more how do we demonstrate the love of jesus in this area Single mothers or fathers having to make income enough for the children or those who have been physically or mentally abused to the point where it affects their capacity to work and earn wages instead of getting a government check. You know what I'm saying? These are like real life implications. The Lord sees you. Each and every one of you. If you fit any of these The Lord sees you. He sees you. He knows you. He understands the challenges. And with care and compassion, he wants you to look to the heavens for what's to come. A day where your current reality becomes a distant memory. It may not make every circumstance here easy to deal with, but you have a lovely inheritance in the name of Jesus. Amen. When we think of valuables in the world that we live in, it relates to money and assets. And though these things aren't inherently wrong to have, because I also don't want y'all to walk away and to feel like, you know, take everything out of your pockets, go home. He, He gives us these things as tools and resources, and they're not inherently wrong. And Jesus draws, he does draw a contrast about when he talks about riches on uh, earth and in heaven, in the contrast, we often assume is money and God. But what we really need to look at is that there's a contrast between us and God, how we handle our money and how God handles his resources. There's a contrast between us and God, not money and God. Our sinful nature will even want to blame money for the reason that, We don't set our eyes on God. Often the riches that we accumulate here on earth are items used as alternatives to God rather than enjoying God himself. And wealth can become an alternative to God because it feels easier to depend on it rather than depending on God. In other words, y'all are familiar with the phrase love the giver and not the gift. You may have heard that. If not, you are now. But how often do we love the gift more than the giver? You know, how often do we trust the gift more than the giver? And so this is me bringing that question that I asked in the beginning again. Where's your treasure? Because remember, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It applies to the very familiar things in our hearts. The same way we've dedicated our money and our time to Beloved universities, 401ks, life insurance, home purchases, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, with trust that our futures will benefit, are we willing to trust that our spiritual investment, knowing the love of Jesus and choosing to serve him with all that we have will benefit us? The Lord wants our hearts because giving him our hearts means that We'll have to see him as an ultimate desire. He knows you and he says, look at me. I'm going to keep you safe. These things are not going to keep you safe, but I will. I got you. I will nurture you. I will care for you. Give me that deposit. I got you. (laughs) This isn't prosperity speaking, though. You know what I'm saying? We're we're used to that prosperity gospel where we hear that if you love the Lord, he's going to make you rich. He's going to take, you know what I'm saying? Like everything, everything here will work out. And I'm not saying that God does not care about you, that he will not take care of you in some of those ways. But what happens is if we don't see him come through in ways that we expect, we blame him when he's saying, I got something way better for you over here. Focus, focus on this. I got you. I love you. I see you. I've been through it, too. And it may secure us for a moment, these things here. But it doesn't secure our eternity. But being reconciled to Jesus means that your deposit is paid, and one day you will receive that inheritance. And it will never run out. Never. It will never run out. And that's key for me to hear, right? I already mentioned to y'all I like budgeting and love being able to keep track of where my monies go. You know what I'm saying? Like setting up savings accounts for future, you know, these are all good things. But the irony of doing these things, like perfect example, building an emergency savings. Please just say amen if you feel this way. But you build up your emergency savings, you get that 500 or 1,000 or 1,500 or, you know, whatever your three month salary is, you save that. And the moment an emergency happens and you got to drop bread and spend that money, don't it kind of (laughs) hurt? Say amen if you if you know it kind of hurt. It's okay. Come on, be honest with me now, because it hurts me. And that's, there's so much irony in that. like, I have this money meant for this thing. When an emergency happens, I'm going to use this money to take care of this need. And when it's gone, I get sad. Shouldn't I be happy that I have the money <laughs> to take care of this thing? But I get sad just kind of stained. It, it, it don't set right with me. <laughs> but it needs to be there. It does need to be there. Okay? Just because you don't like spending money in this uh, emergency savings, Chris, doesn't mean that you shouldn't use it. In these moments, I realize that I love money more than I thought. Even when it's used for the things I claim I need it for, it aches me to see it go away. And so we shouldn't count the things that we have as the best things or the most valuable or the most serviceable to us. We can't call these things glory. But we can call God glory. You know, God is glory. You feel me? So see your things, know that they are there, but know that they will have no glory in comparison with the glory to come. So what's the point of me sharing all of this, all right? Y'all are like, we done talk a lot about money. I see no spreadsheets. I see no line graphs, no, uh, I think it's line graphs. <laughs> I see no pie graphs. I see nothing up there that, that teaches me how to take good care of my money or none of that. One, it's because I'm not that much of a detail-oriented person, but two, My point in sharing these things is the the three things I'm going to reiterate to y'all. First of all, your wealth here will be destroyed. I'm not saying that everybody in the world is out to get you. Don't leave here looking at people when they say hi to you thinking they're going to steal your money. That's not accurate. I'm not saying it ain't possible, but... (laughs) This, okay, love each other well, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but those things will be destroyed, right, I mean, we're not going to live here forever, that's a, that's a reality, And those things that we once had ain't coming with us in the U-Haul, you might be able to pass it on to somebody else, but, you know, you can only take hand-me-downs for so long <laughs> before you want to move on to the next thing, Now, this doesn't mean that you can't have things while you're here, but just know that it will not come with you. The second thing. Jesus is saying, put all of your eggs in his basket. While we're tempted to think that our protection here will go without burnout, Jesus is saying that he will forever protect our inheritance that's safely stored in him. So not the inheritance of all of the wealth that you have here accumulated, but the inheritance that's given from Jesus's The moment that you put your faith in him and that you trust that he is savior and Lord of your life and that he loves you and that he's worth living for. He's got a spot for you. And it's glorious. I ain't seen it, but I believe it. And I'm excited for it. I forget sometimes. I really do. And it's going to be easy to forget because it's easy to to remember and see the things that are right in front of us. But let's trust him. Third. We're foolish to think that we can accumulate a greater wealth that feels more pleasant than what Jesus has for us in his kingdom. In fact, this reality should reshape the way we think about wealth. The way we study in our classrooms as students, not me, whoever's a student here. (laughs) Or the way that you work in your job, the way that you say, how can I glorify God in the work that I do? What you decide to give towards or the things that you look forward to. But I do think that for those who like practical application. I uh, have some thoughts that will serve well for you. OK, again, not a financial advisor, not telling you how to invest your wealth, not an extremist saying that money is simply evil. But I will give you a few questions to think about. OK, because Jesus is clear when he says no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other. This is said with understanding that money is a tool, not inherently evil. But there's a big difference between God and money here. It's that while God is saying that we will be ruled by one or the other, the reality is of those two things, one of those things is ruler of the other. God rules that money. Money don't rule God. But we're fragile enough to be ruled by one of those things. The question is, who do we want to see as our ruler, our king, our savior? Do we want to see money as that, or do we want to see God as that? So I'm going to bring up a few questions here. The first one, actually, before I go to the—oh, it's already up there. My bad. <laughs> and don't look at that. I got a quote first. Listen to this quote. Close your eyes. <laughs> I got this one from John Piper. And it says experiencing God and Jesus through their gifts is inseparable from experiencing God directly because we are creatures and we are creatures and bodies. And as embodied creatures, God has put us in a world to experience him indirectly. He is not his gifts. He is different from his gifts. And yet we do experience him through his gifts. So I just want to share that to for us to remember that I'm not up here saying money's evil, get rid of it. Not telling y'all to give us all your money because God is the only worth and also I work for a church. So give me all your money. it's you know, Not one of those. But it is to say the way you handle what you have will look different depending on your relationship with God. So. I thank you. Hey, you my man, David, on the slides. Give him a hand real quick. First of all, he holding it down. I appreciate you. We can go to that uh, slide number one now. Thank you. Y'all ain't even have to close your eyes, see? So we discussed not letting money, wealth, and assets master over us. But what does it look like for you to use these things that God has given you to worship him? Make sure to write these down, you know what I'm saying? Or take a mental note. Really think about it. And I'm going to take my time saying these questions because I'm not going to rush through them. And I think... What, what could even be helpful is even just me sharing, like how this question affects me, I mean right, right off the bat you know, again, I work at a church and look my wife, she got the master's degree <laughs> she makes way more money than me, I'm gonna just put it out there I mean, can I be honest with y'all I promise that's not why she left neither she just, now that she left I can say these things <laughs> No, she, and she's a hard worker at what she does. But sometimes that toxic masculinity kicks in, and I'm like, man, do I need to be making more than her? You know what I'm saying? Like, these are the things that I thought about before even marrying her, and, and things that we've talked about. And, and so often, it, what money can, not what money can do to my heart, but what I can do with, with my way of thinking and the way that I think about money is I start to think that, My value is going to be placed on how much I make rather than the purpose that comes with what I do. And I love doing what I do. I love being here with y'all. I get nervous as heck preaching up here, but I still love it. I love being able to to serve as a glorified social worker. (laughs) All of these things are great to me. But then there's always that battle. of, But should I be doing more? Should I be doing more? And then and then what's going to happen is we're just going to be battling each other, seeing who makes more all the time. But instead, what God is calling me to do is to say, hey, you need to you need to remember that what you have will suffice. Y'all fine. I got y'all. And what I have, the task that I've given you to do, Chris, is a worthy task. And so I got to remember my purpose is not in how much I make. My purpose is who I worship. And I worship God through what I do. And you don't have to work at a church to do that. But that's my current struggle, you know what I'm saying? I I be thinking about money like that. So second question, what earthly treasure... Do you let master you? You don't have to shout it out loud, but I do want you to think about it. And the third is what will you do to keep your heart on heavenly riches? What will you do to keep your heart on heavenly riches? Now, I'll take a moment to pray, and then uh, once Caleb comes back up to lead us in worship, you know, feel feel free to sing. But also, if you want to take time as he's singing to ponder these things, please do. We want to create that space for y'all. Let us pray. Lord, you are God that name itself carries more weight than any currency. But the reality is, talking about wealth can be stressful. And for us, it looks different. But, you know, what's great is that you do teach us how we use our resources. And you do let us know that, hey, this is a tool but I'm so much greater. You guarantee that. And so I do pray, God, for, uh, for, for anyone who's challenged by that uh, to continue to, excuse me, to continue to seek you, to continue to pray to you, to continue to ask questions with families and friends who, who do pursue you, who do love you and, and have a relationship with you. Lord, I, I